You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Once again, for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network. We're with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show is always brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section. Of Tuscaloosa, March Madness is here. You're going to be hunkered down in either that recliner and or that couch for the next, I don't know what, 7, 10, 12, 15 days or so. You need to get by Peterbrook Chocolates here. Get all of your March Madness treats there. You can also go ahead and take care of those Easter treats, those Easter baskets while you're at Peterbrook Chocolates here as well. 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Remember, Peterbrook ships. Peterbrook also delivers. For more on that, give them a call at 205-752-0211. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60 of sports talk radio. You know, Jacob, I was giving you grief as a Steelers fan yesterday about free agency and the likelihood of your team not being an overly active participant in free agency. But what about my Jags yesterday, man? You know, Jaguar fans are up in arms. They go out and they sign Carlos Hyde, the running back, the journeyman running back who they traded for a couple of years ago and was a spectacular disappointment with the Jags to the point Jacob that Carlos Hyde when instructed to enter a game by previous head coach Doug Marone now the offensive line coach right here in Tuscaloosa at the University of Alabama Carlos Hyde declined to go into the game but Urban Meyer and the Jags current regime Oh, let's bring back Carlos Hyde. It had the sort of impact on the fan base that you might expect, Jake. 
not, can't imagine a situation quite like that one. Uh, I, I'm at the point in my grief where I'm just happy for the, the guys that the Steelers couldn't hold on to getting massive deals. Bud Dupree being the highest paid edge rusher mm-hmm. yesterday was, was well-deserved. Uh, but it is kind of interesting. The Jags got all that money, and they have not been able to spend it. Meanwhile, Bill Belichick's spending like he's never has before. He is. Uh, it's raining. It's raining cash uh, from the Northeast. And uh, Bill going to have some tight ends now. He's going to have some tight ends with Jonu Smith now, and now Hunter Henry today with the big deal. Coming over from the Los Angeles Chargers, of course, Hunter Henry, big-time tight end at the University of Arkansas. His younger brother now, a tight end there in Fayetteville. So uh, you're right, Bill Belichick not playing around. I wonder, is he doing this to help Bowie Cam? Or is he doing this, Jacob, in anticipation of perhaps, if not sitting pat there in the middle of the first round, going up into the top ten to get a quarterback, Jacob? Is that... What is Bill's, obviously, having a better season, more wins, uh, but big picture-wise, what's Bill thinking here? I'm, I'm thinking he's ready to 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 put that 7-9 and nine season behind him. I think yeah. they're out of the quarterback race in the first round. I think uh, if they trade up, it's to go get somebody that can be a playmaker that can help them win right now. Uh, if you put the pieces around Cam, who knows? But last year, it was a mixture of him throwing in routes into the dirt and receivers not catching the ball. So let, let's see if we can solve one of those problems, right? They're going to run the football, as we've talked about. And then uh, they're going to try to give Cam some some manageable throws and let him work the middle of the field with the tight ends, which makes perfect sense. I mean, John U. Smith just did that, right, with Derrick Henry uh, in Nashville. So uh, I think that's going to be a similar approach on the offensive side of the ball. For the Patriots moving forward. Hey, we got a lot of college basketball to talk about on the program as well today, as you might expect in anticipation of the 2021 NCAA men's tournament up there in the great state of Indiana. All these different venues up there. That's going to be pretty cool because you're talking about Purdue being involved with Mackey Arena, Assembly Hall at Indiana, and then right there in the Indianapolis area, you're going to have four venues. Bankers like Fieldhouse, home to the Indiana Pacers. Hinkle Fieldhouse, of course, is where Alabama and Iona will get it on Saturday afternoon in Indianapolis on the campus of Butler University. Then you also have the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. That one kind of flew under the radar for me as we were heading into the NCAA tournament. Did a little research on the old Indiana Farmers Coliseum. I dig it. I dig it. It was built in 1939, so it's going to have a sort of Hinkle feel to it. Now, if you're a fan, it's tough if your team's playing at Hinkle or Indiana Farmers Coliseum because those secondary market ticket prices, they're going to be elevated. You just don't have the capacity like you have at Bankers Life Fieldhouse or certainly – Lucas Oil Stadium. You know, if your team's playing in Lucas Oil Stadium, you're talking about a football stadium. So uh, the capacity is going to be a little more friendly, which is going to make those secondary market tickets a little more friendly. I checked StubHub yesterday on this Alabama-Iona game for uh, Hinkle on Saturday. And because it's a 9,000-seat arena there at Hinkle, uh, you're talking about 2,200 and change for capacity. Well, you might expect, and you're right, that that results in some some big numbers, big numbers from the Hinkle Fieldhouse ticket man 
up there in Indianapolis. So uh, you better get that STEMI out. If you got that STEMI, if that STEMI dropped, that stimulus check dropped, uh, you're going to probably drop all of it on tickets if you want to go up and see Alabama in the men's basketball tournament. Uh, We'll get more into that as we move throughout the program. Also, the Alabama women uh, last night. We sort of previewed that for you yesterday. Alabama women's basketball for the first time since 1999 picks up an at-large bid to the NCAA women's tournament. The Crimson Tide, a 7C. Charlie Cream, bracketologist for the women's game there at ESPN.com. He had pretty much throughout the process had Alabama as a 6 or 7 in the women's tournament, and there they are as a 7. And the Crimson Tide will take on 10th-seeded North Carolina Monday morning. It's always right in the middle of the show, everything, right? I mean, we pretty much were the horseshoe, the lucky horseshoe for Alabama men's basketball last Friday when uh, the Crimson Tide Thunder funked Mississippi State while we were on the air. And so we'll see if we can get the Alabama women's team home on Monday morning. The Crimson Tide taking on the Tar Heels 11 a.m. tip-off in San Antonio, Texas. If Alabama wins that game, very likely to see second-seeded Maryland in round two. But look... Tough matchup. Maryland's very good. But you got a puncher's chance. As long as you got Jasmine Walker, the matchup problem she forces and causes her ability to shoot the ball from beyond the three-point line. You know, you get Jordan Lewis, a veteran presence on the basketball, or Ryan Copeland in the punch. Now, this big three, Alabama women's basketball is kind of like LSU men's basketball. You got a big three, and if you maximize their production and they stay on the floor and stay out of foul trouble and free of injury – You've got a chance. That's all I'm saying. Those games, by the way, for the women's side, they're going to air on ESPN, ABC, ESPNU, and ESPN2. By the way, 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. If you'd like to jump on board with us, you've got baseball, college baseball. Alabama's supposed to play down at Troy tonight. Not sure that's going to happen. Oh, we've got some severe weather watches for the overnight air uh, hours. We'll see if Alabama is able to get that one in down in Troy. Troy's on the come up, man. As someone who travels 231 down through there a lot from Montgomery, down through Troy, down through Ozark, into Dothan, down to I-10 there in the panhandle of Florida. Troy's on the come up. Troy's got, don't know if you knew this, Jacob Harrison, But Troy, Alabama now has a Chick-fil-A and a cookout. How about that? Troy, Alabama. Moving up up. in the world. They're giving their students a little bit to do nowadays. Absolutely. Absolutely. Troy, Alabama bringing it uh, down there. We'll see if Alabama baseball makes uh, the return date with Troy. Troy, of course, was up here. A week or two ago for some midweek action. Alabama won that game fairly easily. You also, uh, of course, have Alabama going to Arkansas, as we talked about yesterday, to open SEC play. Number one ranked team in the country, the Arkansas Razorbacks. 205-342-9904. You've had refs already uh, removed from the NCAA tournament, including Teddy Valentine. Can you have an NCAA tournament? Without TV Teddy, for crying out loud, TV Teddy fell victim to COVID-19 protocols. He's out. Apparently, Teddy and a couple of the refs 
went out to dinner or something before testing and were exposed. Somebody tested positive and now with contact tracing, uh, you got Teddy Valentine among those refs sent home from Indianapolis. So, uh, never have enough refs can never have enough refs. Tough gig, tough gig. When you got parents like me back in the day in these gyms and at these ballparks, absolutely, man, being a zebra, being a umpire, being an official, thankless, absolutely thankless. We're also going to talk with Brent Beard, College Sports Today and First Coast News coming up. We'll get into a lot of college basketball talk, a lot of college football talk, because you have spring football blooming across the Southeastern Conference. A lot of programs getting started in the last day or so. A lot of programs getting started in the next few days, including right here at the University of Alabama. You have Auburn cranking it up yesterday under first-year head coach Brian Harson. We'll also get into some defensive coordinator talk in relation to the Southeastern Conference for the 2021 season. With Brent, a lot of money, a lot of cash has left the league. When you talk about a couple of $2 million coordinators that are no longer with us in the Southeastern Conference, we'll get into all of that. With Brent Beard, when Southern Fried Sports, presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier, returns Coming up next, right here on Tide 100.9 FM, right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider for Alabama athletics. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama is the number two seed in the East Region in the men's NCAA tournament and will face the number 15 seed, Iona Gales, led by Rick Pitino, on Saturday at 3 p.m. Central from Hinkle Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. Radio coverage that day will begin at 2 p.m. Head coach Nate Oates gave his thoughts on Iona on Sunday night. Obviously, well, coach, with Coach Patino, I uh, just started watching their last game. I got their last five games loaded up on my computer, so I don't I can assume they're going to be well coached. I'm going to play hard. We're going to have to come out ready to play. So, you know, then if we're fortunate enough to get by them, then, you know, you have to either play against Kalen Smith, Maryland, or against uh, Danny Early's. I'll have more in a moment. There is no substitute for hard work. Just ask the Crimson Tide. At Dex Imaging, they know the meaning of hard work, too. You don't become the best in the office equipment business without it. If you need a copier and printer company that understands hard work, quality, dependability, and customer service, then give Dex Imaging a call or go to DexImaging.com. Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider of Alabama Athletics. Alabama baseball returns to action tonight, facing Troy on the road at 6 p.m., with radio coverage at 5.55 p.m. across the network. Alabama is off to a 14-3 start to the season after a series win over the weekend against Stetson. Alabama starts conference play this weekend at number 1 Arkansas from Friday to Sunday. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Dex Imaging. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Mostly cloudy with a few passing showers and thunderstorms through tonight. The high today 75, tonight's low 62. Tomorrow, mild and breezy thunderstorms are likely. Tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow night, those storms could be severe. Tornadoes are possible. The high 78. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 67 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. 
edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. And as is the case typically at this time on Tuesdays, we like to check in with Brent Beard, a great friend from College Sports Today. And First Coast News, Brent, of course, also a voter where the Heisman Trophy is concerned. But Brent, as we bring you on, got to start with college hoops. It is officially March Madness, and it is a madness where Alabama men's basketball is concerned, unlike any we've seen in quite some time. You've watched this program for many, many years and talked about this yesterday. For me, anyway, in my lifetime, it's unlike anything I've seen. When you talk about an extended stretch of 20, 25 games, the way that this team has gotten to this point since the month of December, there are a team or two in the past that that you sort of go back to when you think about what this team has accomplished to this point? Yeah, uh, I, I think the uh, I even go back to the C.M. Newton years uh, to mm-hmm. where you had uh, Wendell Hudson. Uh, in that crew back then, uh, I'll never forget Trav that in, in the SEC back uh, decades ago, if you can believe this, I actually used to play on Saturday and Monday, and I remember uh, I remember Bama beating Tennessee on a Saturday and then beating Kentucky on a Monday, which was absolutely unheard of. But the closest thing that this run has reminded me of is Wimp Sanderson when Bama won back-to-back-to-back SEC tournament titles. And also, uh, and people may forget this and took it for granted, but uh, Alabama under Wimp Sanderson went to three straight Sweet 16s. And, Trev, you look at the history between then and now, uh, I know that Mark Gottfried had the lead eight uh, one year but three straight Sweet 16s is rarefied air, isn't it, Trav? Yeah, and that's where I think moving forward, regardless of what happens up in Indianapolis in the next few weeks, that's where you'll start to measure Nate Oates yeah. and uh, his tenure is, is sustained success, uh, consistency, and you know all signs point toward uh, that being the case as long as he's in Tuscaloosa. But it will be uh, the next benchmark uh, for the program under Nate Oates. But to get to this point, SEC regular season champs, SEC tournament champs, uh, what were your initial thoughts of Alabama's draw? Kind of expected Alabama to be the two seed in one of the regions that played out that way. Uh, Favorable draw for Alabama, Brent, or do you think it's a little tough or somewhere in the middle there? Well, I think it's probably somewhere in the middle, frankly. Uh, the uh, Now, they're much better than Iona, and Iona has only played 17 games, uh, which is interesting, but uh, Rick Pitino can be kind of your great equalizer there. But I, I think Nate Oates uh, is as quality of a coach as Pitino is in a lot of ways. So, But they've still got to be careful. Uh, there's still a lot of things that they need to be able to do, and I think they'll they'll win that game. And, um, and then you've got the winner of the Maryland UConn game. Uh, if that's UConn, uh, they've got some certainly some quality players uh, at that point too. A lot of people, um, surprisingly or maybe not surprisingly, picking Alabama to go to the Final Four, skip Bayless, picked them to win the national championship, almost fell out of the recliner when I saw that. But, yeah, I cringed. I cringed yes, when I saw that. It, but, yeah, uh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, but, but look, uh, Travis, you know uh, it starts uh, Saturday afternoon, 
And they're, they're as good as they played this weekend, and they really showed how mentally tough they could be. The, the, uh, I, I'm telling you, the defense they played against Tennessee uh, in the second half was as good of a lockdown defense as I've seen Alabama, frankly, again, since Wimp was there. They've got to get more out of John Petty from scoring. John's uh, improved his game a lot. I think having Primo back, if he is back, uh, will help them uh, a lot. But there still is uh, uh, some area, sloppy passes, uh, always there for improvement. But at the same time, uh, they they really kicked it to another level in the tournament, Travis, because you and I both know they could have said against Tennessee, look, we're a two. Uh, we're fat and happy. We're going home, and we'll, we'll get ready for the tournament. But they bared down and took it to, to another level, beating Tennessee and LSU. Yeah, you're right about the defensive effort in the second half against Tennessee because that wasn't a game in which they shot the lights out from three. So down 15 there in the second half, they had to get an abundance of stops, and they were able to do that and uh, showed some intestinal fortitude that you like to see. Uh, in a situation like that as well and coming back from that big deficit against the balls. When you look at the SEC teams in this tournament, you've got uh, three here in that 8-9 sort of range, uh, 7-10, 8-9. Uh, LSU and Missouri find themselves in those 8-9 games. Interesting for Missouri. They'll take on, I guess, Oklahoma, two teams that beat Alabama a month or so ago that look like might use those wins to sort of catapult themselves up the seeding lines. Didn't really happen for either Oklahoma or Missouri. Had a little bit of a fade after those wins, I think you could say, over mm-hmm. Alabama. Um, LSU is an eight, taking on St. Bonaventure. And then Florida is a seven, gets Virginia Tech in a game that I guess is really going to kick off yeah. uh, Friday's action there. Well, uh, quickly on on the teams, I, if LSU – can play defense the way they did against Alabama. Uh, they they can give anybody in the tournament trouble, uh, frankly. And again, you don't want to be that eight or nine because you end up playing one. Uh, but still, LSU with that. I that, like them though in a matchup with Michigan if it comes I, down I, to I, I would agree. second round. I, I would you agree. Know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And they, and their big three can score uh, against anybody, frankly. Uh, and, and I like Missouri as four as their. Uh, the, their length and, and what they can do in protecting the realm. Uh, Trev, uh, uh, convince me if I'm wrong here. I think Florida's out the first game. I, I, yeah. I, I don't. Think I don't they, trust Florida. No, no. Florida's no, the the least trustworthy team from the from the SEC teams in the tournament, in my opinion. Is Florida uh, uh, the the thing that really concerned me, and I'm sure you caught this, Mike White, who by the way, uh, before Alabama hired. Avery Johnson, Mike White was on Alabama's radar uh, at one point, but even Mike White said after the meltdown against Tennessee that we're not really emotionally mature right now. I, oh, uh, 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 hey, Trav, you don't want to hear that from your coach, do you? No, and I understand, and we all understand that Florida lost a big piece to its puzzle uh, back in the non-conference schedule uh, from a personnel standpoint. But, yeah, it's a little little late in the season to, yes. to still be trying to figure figure that out. Tennessee, I think, a team also that 
you know, with a positive buzz about it, although you wonder about the injury to John Fulkerson, although right. Fulkerson really this season hasn't been what he was uh, a year ago. And uh, conversely, Arkansas uh, mm-hmm. for a month and a half or so, they were the they were the darlings of the SEC on that long, long winning streak. They go out in the semifinals uh, to LSU up in Nashville and uh, now the question is, uh, it, have the Hogs hit kind of maybe their peak? Are they uh, going to be able to rebound in time to to take on a Colgate team that likes to play a really up-tempo and aggressive style of hoops? Colgate can score with anybody, and uh, this thing may be 100, 100 and, <laughs> 102 or something like that. But I, I do like Arkansas. I, I, I still think – if they can kind of regain a little bit of the mojo they had early on, uh, that they're very uh, tough to beat. Moses Moody is really, really good. Uh, I think they, I think they can score. I think they can defend. Uh, Trevor, they could get past Colgate. I, uh, I, I don't think it's um, uh, too foreign to say that they may go a little bit in the tournament. They're good enough, and Eric Musselman. Uh a really good coach. And so, yeah, when you think about the SEC teams in this tournament, you feel good about the potential for LSU, I think, Alabama, Arkansas, potentially Tennessee, but Florida would most certainly be uh, the one team I trust the least, I think, right now. Uh, And Missouri, probably not all that far behind the Gators as well. Let's get into some college football talk with Brent Beard of College Sports Today. And First Coast News, spring is blooming across the Southeastern (laughs) Conference. That means football practices. I guess Florida is just about ready to wrap up its spring drills, Brent. Then you've got Georgia, Auburn, Alabama here in a few days, and Tuscaloosa getting underway. And uh, you even got a program like Arkansas I was reading up on here in the last day or so. Sam Pittman's having an open scrimmage at Reynolds Razorpack <laughs> Stadium on Saturday. So that's good to see the fans get an opportunity and even media coverage at Arkansas. Uh, they're back to media viewing periods and things like that. Not something you're seeing across the league, but seeing some signs of, again, what we used to get, I guess, uh, when it came to spring football. Coaches need to open up spring more than they do. I mean, for crying out loud, it's not like you're going from the spread to the wishbone during the spring. Uh, give give fans and media an opportunity to tell some of these kids stories uh, that they really deserve it. So uh, George opens today. Uh, LSU opens today. I, I, and I'll tell you what's kind of caught my attention about LSU. I, I get this, Trev, but and, and frankly, they've got a nice problem is Miles Brennan is healthy and he is back. Mm-hmm. And the LSU media is basically saying that uh, Brennan, that Brennan will, is, is basically your number one again because an injury is not going to cost you your starting position. But I, I think you and I both were impressed uh, with Brad Johnson's son, uh, Max, yeah. uh, Max, and how he played. Uh, I mean, frankly, Trav, that's going to – I think that's going to be a pretty interesting competition over the spring uh, and going into the fall for LSU. Oh, there's no doubt about that. I love LSU's uh, quarterback situation with uh, T.J. Finley also in there and Max Johnson and Brennan. And 
probably going with the veteran and Brennan right now helps you keep that room together for as long as possible. Because if you go ahead and anoint Max Johnson right now as the number one guy, what do you think is going to happen with Miles Brennan and TJ Finley? You know, you're going to be looking at a one quarterback room in all likelihood, perhaps anyway, by the time you get to uh, fall camp. So it makes some sense to manage it uh, in that way, especially at this point of the off season. Um, you know, you also have here in your, your notes, Texas A&M, uh, is it Haynes King that's going to be the guy? Are yeah. they anticipating Maybe. there at Texas A&M? Uh, th- that's going to be a uh, uh, very interesting battle. Uh, King being the freshman you mentioned, 6'3", 200. Uh, Eli Stowers, 6'4", 215. Trev, it's amazing how big these quarterbacks are now, isn't it? Uh, and then you've got Zach uh, Kazeda. Uh, who is 6'3", 205. That's a redshirt freshman uh, and a freshman that, that we mentioned in King and Calzada. Uh, that, that, that'll that be an interesting situation, Trav, how Jimbo deals with this during the spring. Yeah, Jimbo still likes more of that classic quarterback he, he does, in terms he? of size. I mean, we're seeing elsewhere around college football, well, just look at Alabama, Bryce Young, maybe six foot going into spring as the Mm -hmm. anticipated starter for the Crimson Tide in 2021. Alabama just took a commitment from a five-star quarterback in Ty Simpson, 6'2", you know, 185. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's kind of getting all over the place with uh, measurables at the quarterback position. It's become more acceptable uh, these days to be in that six-foot range and and not be necessarily Redwood-like there. Uh, in the pocket, but we did see Haynes King late here in Tuscaloosa against Alabama. Very, br- very brief appearance. Made a couple throws. Tried to make a couple throws in Alabama's 52 to 24 win over the Aggies. But I guess quarterback always a storyline in the Southeastern Conference. But it seems like uh, 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 especially true this year when you consider the programs where there is competition. Um, I guess Georgia, not so much with JT Daniels there, but Alabama, Florida, LSU, uh, Auburn is set with Bo Nix. You probably would like more competition there, if anything, yes. if you're Brian Harson. But uh, across the league, uh, there seems to be you know, this seems to be one of those more intriguing off seasons where the most important position on the field is concerned. Well, well there's no doubt about it. And, and one of the uh, uh, more interesting things I've seen all week, uh, and this is one of the websites that writes for Florida that, that talked about how much at Emory Jones has struggled this spring. Yeah. So uh, Gator fans, not real optimistic about that one. Now, obviously Richardson is there too. He played a little bit in the bowl game and he's more of a drop back guy, uh, pro style passer than Emory Jones. Who's more of a dual threat. Some people wondering, uh, uh, if that may not be more the reason Florida didn't have a spring game as much as anything else, because they've had things closed down rather tightly. But uh, and look, you mentioned Bo Nix and Harson. Uh, now, now look, Nix has got a, there are a lot of things Bo needs to work on. I still think Bo could end up being a really good quarterback before it's over. Uh, but he's got to trust that offensive line. And, and Trav, to me, uh, getting Bo Nix's mechanics is one thing, but they've got to get an offensive line that Bo can trust, too, eventually, don't they? they got to find some weapons. I mean, Absolutely. on the outside, you lose your top two guys out there. 
you know, it's going to be a lot of Tank Bigsby. You got to think, no and even at the running back position, there's been some turnover in terms of depth. So uh, a lot of the load, uh, maybe carry uh, on Johnson, 2017 style uh, <laughs> for Tank Bigsby. When you look ahead to 2021 and what that offense is going to need from him in year one under Brian Harson. And we talk about the defensive side of the ball. Uh, kind of in relation to some of these teams. And I'm working on the top five opposing defensive coordinators on Alabama's 2021 schedule. And a lot of money, a lot of money oh, left the league absolutely. Brent, after the 2020 <laughs> season. We had three $2 million plus coordinators, $2 million plus coordinators just in the SEC West That's right. last season. Now we're down to one. Uh, Kevin Steele currently on the sidelines after stints at not only Auburn, but a very brief one, I guess, at Tennessee, too, yes. here in the offseason. <laughs> uh, and Bo Pelini. Wow. That's still just really? a mind blower uh, that one year for Bo coming back to LSU. That was quick. Uh, but Mike Elko right now, I guess when you look at guys and coordinators Alabama will face in 2021, Elko would have to be at the top of that list, but you know Barry Odom, very impressive in year one at Arkansas. No you got a young guy like Zach Arnett over at Mississippi State, did some nice things in his first season uh, there with the Bulldogs. And you know Todd Grantham is probably you know the uh, beleaguered, I guess, is the best adjective to describe his status in Gainesville after that performance by the Florida defense, and of course Alabama heads to Florida Field on September the 18th. Uh, well, and a lot of Gator fans are wondering why Todd Grantham still has a job, frankly. But uh, the the reality is that, that their main problem was in their secondary. So, uh, but but Mullen has remained loyal to these coordinators, hasn't he, Trav? And particularly for Grantham. Uh, now, one that we really don't know a whole lot about, uh, Durante Jones. At LSU, that would be interesting to see where that goes. Uh, Certainly Derek Mason, uh, everybody knows about what a good coordinator uh, that that he very well could be. Uh, And you mentioned Elko. Uh, I think Elko, frankly, has done a pretty good job. And and look, I give Jimbo some credit. Uh, Trev, they have really done a good job in uh, beefing up that front seven on that defensive side of the ball, because frankly, as far as the defensive line is concerned, that they're going to have one of the better D lines in the West. They're going to have a lot of guys back. I think I saw a stat where 13 of their top 15 tacklers yeah. from the league's top defense in 2020 are back. They lose Buddy Johnson at middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. They lose Bobby Brown at defensive tackle, but pretty much everybody comes back. They're intact for really a second straight year. They returned they really 10 are. starters last year. They made good on that. Got lit up a little bit here in Tuscaloosa. Who didn't by that Alabama offense? Gave up 544 yards, including 435 through the air. But otherwise, a very nice performance for Mike Elko in year three there in College Station. We mentioned Barry Odom. Uh, his work at, at Arkansas in year one was impressive. And you're right, Derek Mason, you go back to his stint, at least at Stanford, as mm-hmm. just a defensive coordinator. And it was the Pac-12. We understand that. But he did have the Cardinal either first or second 
in the Pac-12 in total D in his two seasons as the standalone DC out there in Palo Alto. Anything else, Brent, before we get out of here on a Tuesday? Uh, I think real quick, uh, and we'll get into this more, but it looks like, thankfully, the dead period mm. is going to be ending soon. Uh, I know uh, how Nick Saban wants to get back uh, into the schools and get uh, prospects on campus. Uh, he and the other coaches in the SEC, the overtime rule being changed is um, interesting. It's also pretty complex. But uh, uh, And, uh, Trav, I know this caught your attention like it did mine, and we'll, we'll get on to it later, but one Brian Van Gorder uh, now uh, who is uh, with Mark Hudspeth, uh, in high school football, uh, and you and I, Trav, you and I have been tra- have been tracking Brian Van Gorder for quite a while, uh, particularly when he was at Georgia, beloved, and also they wanted to run him out on a rail at times there. So it, it, it's kind of interesting how some of these guys are ending their careers, isn't it? You know, Brian Van Gorder, he kind of had that Joe Lee Dunn starter kit <laughs> there did, for a while. <laughs> he was going to work everywhere. He was going to oh, be yeah. the defensive coordinator yeah. on every team in Power 5 and Group of 5 football right. south of Kentucky, it looked like, <laughs> there for a while. And even maybe a little bit north. But I guess everybody wants to be at Gulf Shores High School these yeah, days. You absolutely. Know, it looks like, why not, right? Not a bad place to live and coach a little football, stress-free. And they probably – I don't know about HUD – I don't know if HUD's got much in the way of buyout money, but maybe Brian Van Gorder's got yeah. some some nice buyout dollars stashed away. Not a big thing for him to maybe take a little bit of a pay cut. Well, Brent, as always, we appreciate you taking the time here on the program. Always great stuff with Brent Beard. Follow him on Twitter if you haven't already, at Brent Beard, B-E-A-I-R-D. Thanks a lot, Brent. We'll do it again next week. Can't wait for hoops this weekend, Trav. Always enjoy it. Absolutely. Brent Beard right here on Southern Fried Sports. Back with more of the show presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. That lady, Nancy Wilson, lead singer for the iconic rock band Heart. Nancy, along with Sister Anne, forming that dynamic duo. Soundtrack right there, Jacob Harrison, of the old childhood for your trusty host here. Little Heart. Get you going on a Tuesday. It's Southern Fried Sports presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier. 
right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Thanks again to Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News joining us in the previous segment. Uh, You've got the Associated Press men's basketball All-American teams that are fresh on the old social media timelines right now. Herb Jones, University of Alabama, is a third-team selection, according to the Associated Press. A lot of Baylor, a lot of Big Ten, a lot of Gonzaga, as you might expect on these three teams. Herb, a third-team honoree. Interesting that on your first team, you have Baylor guard Jared Butler. Uh, Jared there, what, three, three years ago or so, I guess it was? Jared was signed and really at the University of Alabama, uh, but was ultimately granted a release from his letter of intent at Alabama and landed at Baylor. I'd say things worked out all right for Jared Butler. Kind of interesting to consider, though. Jared Butler on this Alabama team at the point. Javon Quinterly. Is Javon Quinterly here, though, if Jared Butler's here? You know, gets a little tricky when you start trying to do the old uh, what could have been, what might have been game. Could impact some other areas of your team. But uh, congratulations. Another great honor for Herb Jones. I guess you could certainly make an argument that Herb was deserving of perhaps a little bit more. But it's stout. These three teams are pretty stout. You knew Cade Cunningham, the freshman phenom from Oklahoma State, was going to be a first-team pick. You knew Luca Garza of Iowa was going to be a first-team pick. And you knew Gonzaga was going to have a representation to go along with Jared Butler. So the spots on the first team were tight. Second team, I'd say a similar sentiment there. So uh, you take it. Certainly take it if you're Herb Jones. 205-342-9904. That is the Peter Brook Chocolatier Studio Line. Herb Jones, by the way, the lone SEC representative on these three Associated Press All-American teams. So there you go. Herb and everybody else where the SEC uh, was involved in this. Um, You know, we talked about spring football at the University of Alabama. And earlier today, we did receive a schedule, a spring football practice schedule for the University of Alabama. We'll get into that and a whole lot more when Southern Fried Sports returns on a Tuesday right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Uh, Mostly cloudy with a few passing showers and thunderstorms through tonight. The high today, 75. Tonight's low, 62. Tomorrow, mild and breezy. Thunderstorms are likely tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow night. Those storms could be severe. Tornadoes are possible. The high, 78. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 67 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
edition of Southern Pride Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL with you. Early start for the kid this morning. Early start. The oldest after a very nice visit back to Tuscaloosa. Headed to his current home out in Butte, Montana. 6 a.m. flight out of Shuttlesworth. Yeah. 6 a.m. flight. That meant the old man running the uh, running the airport shuttle up and out of the rack at 3:45 this morning. How about that? Yeah, so early that when the pooch, when the pup won't even roll over, you know, that's early. And so uh, that's the way it was. We're out on the roads at 4 a.m. this morning. Got him over there in time for that 6 a.m. flight. He's getting back to Butte, Montana, because I don't know if a lot of people realize this. St. Patrick's Day tomorrow. I I know a lot of people realize that. But uh, Butte, Montana, in terms of St. Patrick's Day celebrations, it's up there, man. It's It's up there with Boston. It's up there with Chicago. If you've ever been to Savannah, Georgia, for a St. Patrick's Day, it's nuts. Now, with COVID... Obviously, a lot of that has changed. Last year, there really wasn't much in the way of a St. Patrick's Day celebration. This year, there will be in places like Butte, Montana, and I'm sure to an extent right here in Tuscaloosa, uh, won't be the crowds, you wouldn't think, as as we've seen in the past. But uh, Butte, Montana, they turn up. They turn up for St. Patrick's Day because – it was initially a mining town, you know, 100 years, 125, 130 years ago or so. And you had a big influx of Irish immigrants that came over uh, as a result of the mining there in Butte. And at one point, Butte, Montana had a population in excess of 100,000 folks because of the gold and then more so the copper mining out there. So, with that, you still have Butte, Montana right now. You probably have 30,000, 40,000 maybe people that live there. But you probably have five or six Irish pubs in, in what they call uptown. It's really downtown anywhere else. But because their version of downtown is built up on the hillside there, it's uptown, of course. So there you go. Little little history lesson. I know you were on the edge of your seats wanting to learn more. Wanting to learn more about uh, about Butte, Montana. What do you got for us, Jacob? It sounds like you got some big news in relation to our Jags in the free agent market. Yeah, your Jags just signed uh, Shaquille Griffin from the uh, Seattle Seahawks. We needed help there. We needed help at that spot. That's a big signing. Three I like years, that forty one. million. That'll shut them up. You know, down in Duval, they were they were they were getting pretty loud. There was a lot of noise coming out of Duval after that first day yesterday. That'll help. That'll that'll throw them a bone. That'll sort of uh, stymie that that uh, negativity that was coming out of Duval after yesterday. No negativity for Alabama football. Just a look ahead to spring practice, which of course gets underway on Friday here in Tuscaloosa. You'll have a Friday afternoon practice, and then you'll likely hear from Nick Saban post practice on Friday evening and scheduled scrimmage dates for Alabama April the 2nd which is a Friday I believe that's Easter weekend Nick typically gives the team 
Saturday and Sunday of Easter off. So it'll be a Friday scrimmage on April the 2nd, a Saturday scrimmage on April the 10th, and then, of course, A-Day. A-Day 2021 at Bryant-Denny Stadium on April the 17th. That's going to do it for a Tuesday edition of the program. Thanks again to Jacob Harrison for producing the show. Thank you to Brent Beard for joining us as well. Your lunch whistle on this Tuesday. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa. I was there Saturday watching that Tennessee-Alabama SEC tournament semi. And no better place to do that than Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. I walk in, all the big screens are positioned on the basketball. You know, there's not the view over here on this screen. There's not HGTV on three screens, maybe Cartoon Network on a couple. All sports all the time on those big screens. Relevant sports, importantly enough, at Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. You got Thai chicken pizzas tonight starting at 6 o'clock for just 7 bucks. Don't miss those. $2 domestics as well. Until 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. Thank you for 